You know, of all the lines in all the Christmas songs that there are, there is one line that gets me every time without fail. It comes in what I assume will probably be Classic FM's favorite piece of Christmas music for the third year running. Gonna have to listen to Classic FM tomorrow to find out. But I'm guessing it's gonna be for the third year running the number one Christmas song, O Holy Night. Although the version they will select will not come close in my view to Carrie Joby's or even more so to Jamie Nish's in Carn Money last Sunday night. O Holy Night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks the new and glorious morn. And then comes the line, fall on your knees. Fall on your knees. That's it. In one sense, there is nothing more to be said about Christmas than is said in that line, fall on your knees. I always think that it's amazing that the least likely visitors to Jesus coming really got it. The Magi, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. They absolutely got it. And that's it. He has become flesh so that we can do that, so that we have the opportunity to bow before him, so that we can finally express in the only way we know how what life is truly for. Malcolm Muggeridge once wrote, animistic savages prostrating themselves before a painted stone have always seemed to me to be nearer the truth than any Einstein or Bertrand Russell. Worship is what we were made for. The worship of God is meant to be the chief purpose of our lives. But why should we bow here in this stable with the shepherds and and the magi? The answer is because of the fifth title the birth narratives give us. If you've been at Central or at Carn Money for the last number of weeks, you'll know that we've been thinking about the titles that the birth narratives give to Jesus. We call the series Signature, And so far, if you're in current money, you've got four. If you're in central, you've only got three. Okay, get poorer value here. But you've got four if you go to current money. And tonight, we look at number five. It is the title, Lord. And that is the title that explains why we fall on our knees. This is the title, Lord. And and it comes, first of all, for all nations The title comes for all nations. Finally, we come to a title and the list of titles that are given to Jesus in the birth narratives. Finally, we come to a title that Gentiles can understand. Of course, this title, Lord, has a Jewish significance because the word that is used in the Greek version of the Hebrew scriptures to translate the name of God that never was spoken The name Yahweh is translated in the Greek version of the Hebrew Scriptures by the word that is translated in this text, Lord. So it had a connection to the Old Testament understanding of who God was. But that same title, translated Lord, in the passage that Jill read a moment or two ago, that title, translated Lord, is the title the Roman Empire gives to its Caesar. 
And in this text, an angel gives it to Jesus. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And when the angel says that, what we understand is that heaven is claiming title to world dominion for the Son of God. He is the Lord. And Gentiles understand that because Gentiles always want to know who is in charge. You've got to know who is in charge because only if you know who is in charge do you know who to blame or who to complain to. And that's why Gentiles always want to know who is in charge. Just yesterday, Dennis Muhlenberg, the chief executive and president of the Boeing Corporation in the United States, was fired. And he was fired because of the controversy over the 737 MAX airliner, the one that went down and killed hundreds of people that has been grounded now for months and that has no prospect yet of getting back into the air again. And because of that complete disaster, Muhlenberg was fired yesterday. See, we need to know who's in charge so we know who to blame and so we know who to complain about and so we know who to fire when things go wrong. That's the Gentile world. Jesus once said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. That's our world. It's a world of lords. And it is a relief for us to know who is in charge. Jesus is in charge. The angel said so. He is the Lord. And not only so, but the angel provided proof of the statement that Jesus is in charge. It's not just a title. Lots of titles in this world that are virtually meaningless. But this is not just a title. It is a real authority. It says in Luke chapter 2 in those verses that we read, let this prove it to you. This is J.B. Phillips' translation. Let this prove it to you. You will find a baby wrapped up and lying in a manger. Really? So what does that prove? A baby lying in a feeding trough that, that an inarticulate, helpless, newborn child is in charge. Not Caesar, with the stunning architecture of his cities, the glory of his wealth and the might of his armies. He is not in charge. Jesus says, as Craig Keener puts it, Jesus' birth in a lonely manger distinguishes the true king from the Roman emperor. The explanation of everything that there is and everything that there will be is found in that feeding trough. So fall on your knees. Our culture, our economy, our influence, our future as a nation will only have significance in so far as it makes place for this Lord, the only true King. Remembering this, remember the stirring words Jesus himself would use as he stood before the local representative of the false claims of earthly empire. Standing before Pilate in the judgment hall before he is sent to the cross. Being silent when Pilate questions him. And Pilate says to him, you're not going to say anything to me? Do you not know who I am? Do you not realize that I have the power of life and death over you? Have you nothing to say? Jesus said, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. You're not in charge here. 
You're not in charge here. And so all earthly rulers, neither political theory nor mighty armies nor the vote of the people can grant what Christ Jesus has as a right. So whether in a manger or asleep in the stern of a fishing boat or stretched out upon a cross or riding the clouds on his return, he is Lord no matter what it might look like. And we are Gentiles. Surely we get this. Surely we understand that someone has to be in charge. It's our life. It's our culture. It's how we function. It's how we think. And that day the angel declared, yes, somebody is in charge, but it's not Caesar. It's the child in the manger. It's the sleeper in the stern of the boat. It's the man pinned to the cross. It's the one who will come back on the clouds. Jesus is in charge amongst all the nations. We need to come to understand that truth. But secondly, we need to understand it for ourselves. This lordship of Christ was also a challenge to someone even more significant than Caesar. Yeah, these words of the angel were going to create problems in the context of the Roman Empire where Caesar actually believed he was in charge. But the words of the angel would be even more significant for someone who was much more important than Caesar. We read in Luke chapter 2, Joseph went to Bethlehem to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. The person who was even more significant than Caesar that night was the baby's mother, the Virgin Mary, the Theotokos, the mother of God. To no one else, to no one else in all human history was this honor accorded. It was in her womb that he would mature from a single cell. It was from her breasts that he would be fed and in her arms that he would be held. It was from her that he would learn speech, manners, dress sense, and devotion. Those who knew them both could see how he resembled her, maybe not so much in his looks as in his ways. He spoke with her dialect, He walked with her gait. He laughed with her laugh. He was to her a mystery, the fullest joy and the deepest heartbreak. The scriptures hint that she thought of little else after his birth. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, the scripture says. I remember all of my children when they were small, holding them in the middle of a long night of sleeplessness, talking to them quietly about how much they were loved, stretching them out head to toe along my knees when they were small enough to lie there. But I never felt the wonder of them moving and growing and being nourished within my own body. But Mary did. 
she was a significant person that night, more significant even than Caesar himself. And yet, that child, as the angel testified, carried and birthed and fed by Mary, was also Mary's Lord. And she didn't find that easy. It was inconvenient. The time and place of his birth couldn't have been more awkward that she should have to travel because of a decision made by the emperor that she should have to travel so near to the time when she was due to deliver her child. She was only a teenager. What did she know about birth? But she had to make the journey and she had to birth her child in the most unfortunate of circumstances. That Jesus was Lord of her life was inconvenient. It was dangerous. Shortly after his birth, there was a threat. There was a price upon her child's life. She had to flee with her husband to Egypt when she was only recently delivered of her child. It was frustrating. There were times she couldn't understand him or figure out what on earth she was supposed to do. When he was 12 years old, he disappeared in a crowd. She thought she had lost him. When she finds him in the temple, she challenges him. And she says, what did you think you were doing? Didn't you know that we're past ourselves with worry? And he said, didn't you know that I should be here? How did you not know that? It was embarrassing. There were times in the early years of his public ministry when she didn't have a clue what on earth he was going to say next. At times she came with her other children to try to extract him from a crowd and to try to stop him from saying something that appeared to her ears to be even more foolish than what he had said the day before. It was devastating because she would stand at the foot of the instrument of Roman execution and watch his life expire. It was humbling because a few days later she would stand beside a grave where she thought with love she laid him and discovered that he wasn't there but that he was alive. It was all these things to Mary. Inconvenient, dangerous, frustrating, embarrassing, devastating, humbling. But through it all, it was Mary's attitude that saved her. In answer to the angel, when the angel first appeared to her to tell her of what was going to happen in her life. And after a few questions, she says to the angel, in J.B. Phillips' translation, I belong to the Lord, body and soul. Let it happen as you say. I belong to the Lord, body and soul. Let it happen as you say. Even before he was conceived in her womb, and born into this world, she acknowledged him, her child, as Lord of her life. Jesus is objectively what Gentiles understand by Lord. He is in charge. In this life, however, there are times when people do not bow before the person who is in charge. Uh, when I was at school, I used to have a summer job in Derry, where I grew up. I used to have a summer job uh, in um, a cold storage firm. And uh, we, 
we kept all kinds of meat and fish and all sorts of other things piled high on pallets uh, in, in cold stores and, and we sold ice to the foil fisheries to help keep the salmon fresh when they were caught and all those sorts of things. And so food often had to be rearranged in the freezers because at times the food that was at the back had to go out today so it had to be brought to the front and then other food had to be moved into its place. And when the boss was around, he would say to the foreman, look, that, that food for, um, for one of the local... Uh, bacon places, for example, that needs to be brought out because got that's got to be that's going to be picked up by the supermarket today, so you need to bring it forward. And when you do that, I think it would be a good idea to put such and such in its place because we'll not be taking it out for a while. And Billy Clifford, who was the foreman, would always say, yes, sir, that's fine, that's fine. And the moment the boss left, he did exactly anything but what the boss had just told him to do. And he consistently did it every day, which used to be funny sometimes if Billy was off and the boss was there and he was looking for an item he had told Billy to put in a certain place. It was never there because Billy had worked in the firm for years and he knew that the boss didn't have a clue how to organize a cold store. So he always did what he thought was right, never mind what the boss said. And it's often like that in life. There are people who are in charge, but we pay no attention to them because we think we know better than them, and sometimes we do. But in Mary's case, even though she was in every way Jesus' mum, she knew she was not in charge. Her child was. And it was to him that she gave her submission. Jesus was in charge. And in Mary's heart and in Mary's attitude, he was constantly and continually in charge. However inconvenient, however embarrassing, however difficult for her life, that was who she was. That was how she lived. And if that was so for Mary, knowing who she was, how much more is that not true for us? That Jesus is in charge is not just an issue for the nations. It's not just that we need to create space in our culture and in our economy and in our politics for the person who is really in charge. We need to create that same space in our own lives. Underneath the starry sky, a mother holds a child tonight. All is calm and all is bright. She sings to him a lullaby. She looks upon the great I am, the gift of heaven in her hands, born to save the sons of earth. He was born to give them second birth. Gloria, I hear the angels singing Gloria. All of the heavens ringing Gloria. The Savior of the world is in her arms. She's staring at the face of God. Jesus is in charge. That is a challenge to the nations and the rulers of this world. But Jesus is in charge. It's a challenge to my heart, my life, my priorities, my concerns. He is not just the Lord. He is that in every way. You cannot explain what is or what will be without taking account of that child in the manger. He is the Lord but he would be my Lord. Fall on your knees. Fall on your knees. This is why you have been given a body. This is why you have the life that you have, so that you might fall on your knees, because Jesus is in charge.